0: Morning, church. My name's Chad, and I get to work with the Next Gen Ministry. And if this is your first time, just want to say welcome, first time checking in online. We're glad you're here. We have been studying the book of Luke, and that's where we are going to continue today. Um now that I've caught you up, last week, Pastor Ernie shared about how what's on the inside should light up the outside. Jesus' words, uh, is, the light inside us should, should light up the outside, not the outside hide what's inside. And that's the tone for uh, what the text is this morning, 11, Luke 11, verse 37. Let's take a moment and let's just ask God to bless Our time together. Father, we thank you for loving us like you do. We thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you would guide us in your truth and that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee, asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you. For you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. When we look at Scripture, we see the Pharisees and Jesus tend to not get along. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. Uh, The the Pharisees were separate from uh, just the ordinary people. They were the religious leaders who were supposed to show ordinary people how to live out God's law, how to live for God. That that was their purpose, that was their intention. somewhere along the way, the Pharisees lost their way. God's heart for man is very clear in scripture when you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about fixing the mess that, that sin has made so that God can be with man like he intended. You see, God desires connection. When, when God gave Moses the law, the Old Testament scriptures, that wasn't, that wasn't because God needed his people to live this way. No, Abraham, who God gave the promise to, hadn't done anything, but he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. No, the laws of God, the law of God wasn't given until Mount Sinai. Moses and the 10 Commandments. That you, you look, Israel, God's people, had been in bondage for 400 years, had been in bondage for 400 years living in Egypt, and Egypt had gotten to Israel. Makes sense? You think generation after generation of living in Egypt and becoming like the people around them. That, that when they were taken out from Pharaoh's hand, on their way to the promised land, we see Egypt is still inside of them and coming out in the way they think and what they do and how they act. In fact, when Moses was on Mount Sinai getting the laws from God, if you remember, Israel's off the bottom of the mountain, they're making a golden calf. And Aaron's saying, hey, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. The Israelites have lost what it meant to be God's people. And so God gave the law not as a list of demands, but as a way to show protection. Because God's heart was that fellowship with his people. Do you remember what his plan was? God's plan was what? To live among them. Now, God living among us, if we're not, if we're not, I don't know the word, it's like, All right, here, let's rewind, pretend I said something really smart and profound there. Um, God living among, it would be like having the sun living among us in the center of town, you know? It, it, we're going to burn up. We're, we're just not ready for that. We would need protection for that to happen, right? Well, well the same with God, that the people needed protection. The law wasn't given for, for, for God's sake, but for their sake, God desired connection with them, for them to live, to, for them to be his people, his chosen people, that they would live different from the rest of the world. It was for their good though, not God's good, for their good. But they were, were too much, they had too much Egypt in them, and that they were missing this, and that they, they do all these things wrong, that God's first command in the big 10, you remember, is what, no other gods, no other gods, exclusive love for God. He doesn't wanna share your worship or your heart with anyone else. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, right? That, that, that if someone's getting married and you're getting ready to live together, you wanna to know what at the wedding vows, it, it better be forsake all others, not just forsake most. No, it's forsake all others, all right? God's same way, no other gods, exclusive love, because he knows that's for our good. That's what we need, and so God desires that. He doesn't need that, but the Pharisees here had lost sight of why God had given the law. God desires connection, but the Pharisees, well-intentioned, instead of focusing on connection with God, began focusing on their traditions. You see, connection is more important than tradition. Connection over tradition every single day. That that the Pharisees came up with these these rules, these traditions of the elders that they would pass on and then develop their own traditions that that to help people know how to live and live a life that wouldn't break God's law, they made these rules and these traditions to try to help people live the way they, they desired to live. A God honoring life, but instead of of keeping the focus on living for God, they begin to focus on the traditions. And, and so, an example would be they came up with a tradition for um, a Sabbath, uh, for the Sabbath. What say? Uh, the Sabbath was a day to to keep holy, to remember the Lord. Right? No work. And so. What if you're taking a walk? How far can you walk before it comes work? You know that obviously God didn't mean that we can't take a step on the Sabbath, but 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 so far how far how far can we walk before we break the Sabbath? Well, the Pharisees, you know said just a little over half a mile and, and, and you're okay. But but, but don't go farther than that. Then you're then you're working. Now, you see you see God didn't God didn't give us the Sabbath to 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 keep our miles down no God gave the Sabbath because he knows how we are Israel they they had been slaves in Egypt we are driven to go 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 we are busy 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 people we love it we're we're always wanting to be productive and wanting to do something and always on the go and God gave the Sabbath so that there would be a boundary there would be protection to remember keep important what's important I mean, how many of us have have had to uh, give up something that is more important like time with family, time with God because we are so busy with all these other commitments we've made. It's not that these things are bad and we shouldn't make any commitments. It's that we need boundaries, we need protections. And so the Pharisees lost sight of the purpose of these traditions, began focusing on the traditions themselves and that's what they were teaching uh, and that's what they were living for. When I say traditions, I know some of us will think traditions, blah, you know, that we don't, we don't even like the word. I don't know what the connotation it is for you, but traditions can be good. The traditions that the Pharisees were, were trying to share with the people, in the right mindset and context, they were good things. Traditions can be good. You know, I, um, how many of us pray before we eat? We'll take, the, that's a tradition that before you eat supper, your family will stop and pray and give thanks. That, that's a good tradition. I hope to pass that on to my kids. But, but to just stop, pray before you eat, and not have any connection with God, that's not what I'm going for at all. I want my kids to, to have a relationship with God, to have a, a appreciation for the blessings and knowing that everything good in our lives is from him. For, For my kids to realize we have a dependence on God. That's what praying before we eat as a family is. It is for that reason, not just praying before we eat and then have no connection with God the rest of the day. Does that make sense? The connection, the tradition is good when it's in connection with the heart. The Pharisees, we're losing sight of this and we're passing on their traditions. The tradition is only good when there is connection. My wife and I had a long distance relationship the entire time we dated. The entire time we dated, we did not live in the same state. And so <laughs> I am so old that, that I can remember back when you didn't have a cell phone. I know, I know. I know, the, the, the phone used to be stationary, it'd be on a wall, or even the rotary phones, yeah, yeah. Well, when we first started dating, I didn't have a cell phone, and, and so we would have to actually schedule and set up a time to talk on the phone. It was the strangest thing. But Sunday nights was our night to connect. That was our night to talk on the phone. If you remember, our long distance provider had five cents a minute on Sunday night, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. All right. So, so Sunday night, you would find me for a couple of hours talking with Megan on the phone. And if you know me, I do not like talking on the phone at all. But that's how important the connection with her was to me that I, would, I had this tradition. Imagine when we got married though and we sit down on a Sunday night, do you think I got up from the couch from sitting with her and, and said, hey, I gotta go talk on the telephone? No, I'm not, I'm not that dumb, all right? When the Pharisees in a way, in a sense, were, were focusing on the telephone more than the connection. It's like they are saying Sunday night, yeah, yeah, let's go focus on the phone and let's, let's keep the phone as pretty as it can be. And let's put up protection around it so that nobody would accidentally trip over a cord or mess up that, 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 that telephone. You see, traditions can lose their focus when they lose their focus of, of, of connection. Traditions don't pass on love. Love passes on tradition. You see, traditions do not pass on love. Love passes on tradition, that you pass on the traditions that are important to you, to the people you love. You pass that tradition on because you love them. Traditions miss the heart. Here Jesus is sitting with a Pharisee, eating with a Pharisee, and Jesus doesn't wash his hands. You see, what was going on here? That was just a ceremonial washing. That wasn't hygienic. It was just a little bit of water, but it was a tradition to wash hands before. Good and intention, but became where they didn't care about what their hands did. They just had that ceremony where they were washing. It would be like saying, you need to clean up the way you talk by washing your mouth out with soap. All right, that's how I look. It'd be like saying, you need to clean up the way your words by brushing your teeth. Now, maybe you had a parent like, like mine where your mama said, you know, I'm going to clean your mouth out with soap when you, when you don't talk like the way you should. But your mom really knows that, that it's not uh, washing your mouth out with soap that's going to clean up your language. What? It's cleaning the heart. And that's where Jesus is, is drawing the line and saying he was more concerned with the connection than tradition to really love God. But not only is connection more powerful than tradition and connection over tradition, connection over presentation. The Pharisees, were absolutely perfect, were flawless in their presentation. Jesus said that everything they did was for people to see. They were the ones who were supposed to be the models of living for God, of what that looked like. And from the outside, they would clean up the cup and you would think it's perfect, but inside it was something totally different. I guess Forrest Gump's mom was right that life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're gonna get. Did anyone ever get those like cream filled ones as a kid that were just awful? (laughs) That's not my notes, but the point is what's on the inside matters. The connection with God on the inside wasn't there. They were filthy on the inside, full of greed and wickedness. So we have to be very careful that we aren't just focusing on our presentation that we aren't focusing on just others' presentation, that we need to focus on what is inside, what God sees, what God knows. The Pharisees had made a show of everything. I mean, they would give and they would announce it with trumpets. They, they, would, uh, they would pray beautiful, long, eloquent prayers for others to see. They had the best seats in the house at the synagogue. They looked like they had it all together, but they were missing what it was all about. I wanna ask, what have you done? What have you done recently out of your love for God that nobody knows? What have you done recently out of your love for God that nobody else knows? You didn't get a pat on the back. You didn't get a -a that-a-boy. You didn't have someone in the corner saying, man, you're just so spiritual. What have you done that was purely out of love for God? You see, God's not calling us to lives of godly secrecy. He's calling us to lives where even our secrecy is godly. Where every part of our life and our heart is set on him. The only way for us to get there is through connection with him. Connection is key for spiritual growth. We cannot do spiritual growth on our own. God's the only one that can do that. In verse 39, now you Pharisees, what? You cleanse the outside. You guys are making the perfect show. You look good and you look like you love God, but inside you're loving just yourself. You're full of greed and wickedness. God is not fooled by any front that we put on. He made and he sees what is within Connection's not just over tradition and connection's not more important than than just presentation, but connection is also more important than information. You see, the Pharisees, they knew scripture. The Pharisees were devoted to studying the scriptures. Jesus even acknowledges it in John 5 that they were devoted to studying the scriptures, but they missed one thing, the heart of scripture, what scripture was pointing to. It was all pointing to Jesus and they totally missed it. They completely missed it. You see, connection's more important. Connection over knowledge in and any day. Connection over information. Because the, the Pharisees were full of all this information, but their lives weren't being changed. They were majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. Jesus said, you know, you tithe on these, every, on these little things, these spices, the law didn't require that they tithe on all that. They were going, they were going to the extreme as much as they could in well attention of think, man, they are carrying out the law. But listen, no, they were neglecting what? Justice, the love of God. See, the problem wasn't what they were doing, it was what they weren't doing. They were missing the connection to living out love for God. The Pharisees had missed the heart of scripture. It's sort of like setting your house on fire, watching it burn down, not putting any water on it and just sitting there thinking, oh man, imagine how much water we're going to save. Majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors, living out the little parts, but not the big parts, does not make any sense. The problem wasn't the Pharisees had a lack of information. The problem was the Pharisees didn't have any transformation. Somehow, in their devotion to the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, to, to the law, to the poetry, to the prophets, somehow, in all of their devotion and study of the scriptures, they miss the heart. It just became head knowledge. You see, scripture is for connection, and it does give us information, but it's ultimately for transformation. What good does it do for us to read and study God's word, but not change anything in how we live? Scripture is, it is to be lived, not just to be believed. Faith without works is dead. So do you believe? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you read your Bible and study scripture that you're, you're doing something wrong. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we've got to learn the mistake of the Pharisees was, was to assume that all this information meant they had connection. We can read and study and fill our head with knowledge about God, about God's word. But if we're not allowing for him to fill our hearts, and we're just having him fill our head, we're making the mistake of the Pharisees and we're going to work out and live a faith that is dead. Connection is part of knowledge, but we can't just assume that knowledge is everything here. That's what the Pharisees did and the Pharisees made this mistake that when we read scripture, is our response what it should be How can we read scripture and not not find ourselves more in love with God? How can we read scripture and not see we wanna change because of what he's done for us, because we know he wants what's best for us because he loves us, because we know that we are better at life with him leading it. John Stott said there is something fundamentally flawed about a purely academic interest in God. God is not an appropriate object for cool, critical, detached, scientific observation and evaluation. No, the true knowledge of God will always lead us to worship. Our place is on our faces before him in adoration. See, studying God's word just so we can recite some verses That's not the point. Our lives, every moment, should be lived in worship where we see how good God is, how great he is. That's how I know if I'm living by the spirit, if I'm walking in by the spirit, is God looks good and sin looks bad. When when God is looking good to me, and his will is what I, what I see is good, then I know I am allowing the spirit to lead. When I focus on myself, when I focus on, on how I look, where, what, how much I know, then I'm missing it because spiritual growth is not about self-reliance. It always points towards God. If, I'm want to say something here that please understand, I, I don't mean it to be taken the wrong way, but if you are not growing in your walk with God, if you are not finding your time with God, your walk with God enjoyable, then maybe you're not doing something right. If all the spiritual disciplines in life are just nothing but a chore, then I think you've missed the heart of it. We hear, and for a long time, I'd beat myself up. I hear about how others would you know, spend hours and hours, even entire nights in prayer. And I would try, and man, I just couldn't do it. You know, I was like the disciples, I fell asleep. And I would beat myself up and I would try harder. How others would read scripture like crazy and be able to comprehend and flow through it faster than anything, and I get stuck on a verse. I would hear how others were serving and how God was using them. And I would look at myself and compare and I would feel like a failure. I would try harder, but then I'd still feel like a failure because I wasn't measuring up what the others were. You see, spiritual growth, connection with God, it doesn't, ha- God has made you, you. And there's no one else just like you. He has given you unique talents, abilities, personality, and he's given you spiritual gifts that he has uniquely given to you that don't compare yourself to others and try to be them. That's what Pharisees do. Rather... Surrender to God and embrace, embrace the strength, the gifts he's given you for his glory. You see the difference? There's a huge difference in looking at others and measuring ourselves by that versus giving ourselves to the leading of God's word and his Holy Spirit. Think about this, that that disciples aren't mass produced all in the same way. What would would feed an ant will starve an elephant, you know? That, That... that through scripture, it's handcrafted. People that walk with God and people that God used it was different. You know, it wasn't the same story every time. He didn't use an ark and send the flood every time. Uh, he, he gave Moses, Aaron, he gave him staff, right? He, he gave some uh, kingdoms. He gave some, uh, uh, he gave Gideon a fleece. He gave Miriam a song. He, he used different things in accordance with the person so that his strength and power would be shown in nobody else's. When we fail to see and we just think it's all the same and mass produced, we become Pharisees where it's one upping one another. But you look, God appears all throughout scripture to be specializing in his workmanship of each one of his children. And that he is working on each of us through the word, but maybe differently, that the application's different. For for some of us who have been following Jesus for years and years and years, the application might be different than what it is for someone who's just finding out about Jesus for the first time. You see, it's not, we are handcrafted by God. We are his workmanship. Jesus, he was stern with the rich young ruler, he was tender with the woman in adultery. He was patient with the disciples, but he was ferocious with the scribes. He was gentle with the children, but he was gracious with the thief on the cross. Well, now it's your turn. It's my turn. And realizing that God works uniquely and differently in each of our lives so that we are handcrafted to look more like Jesus. Jesus is blistering with the Pharisees in this passage. He he gives the key in verse 41, but give his alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. Jesus didn't come and give them more rules, but rather Jesus challenged the connection, the heart of the matter. when When you think about your spiritual life, what comes to mind? If I were to ask you, and we were to sit down and just talk, and I'd say, how's your spiritual life going? How's your walk with Jesus? How would you answer if, if you're like me? For a long time, I, I would sit there and I would think, okay, how much have I read the Bible this week? How much have I prayed? I haven't killed anybody, so I'm good there. Um, whenever we measure things by just Bible reading and prayer, Pharisees will always win. But what about measuring your spiritual walk by measuring are you growing in love with God? Do you love Jesus more than the day before? How are you growing in your love for others? Are you more easily irritated than ever before? Or is the peace of God expanding in your life? You see, I can't make myself more loving, only God can do that. I can't make myself more joyful, only God can do that. I can't have the peace that surpasses understanding without Him. You see, spiritual growth isn't about all the things that we do and we do it all because we try harder and we dig deep and we do better and we do it longer and we get it right finally. No, spiritual growth is saying, God, I am yours. I I want you to lead, not me. When God shapes a person, he always shapes the internal man before the external. It's shaped by connection. So what drives connection? Well, connection is driven by love. Connection is driven By love, what is the greatest command according to Jesus? I mean, you take all of the Old Testament and you sum it up, the law and the prophets, what? The greatest command is to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, mind, soul. These are internal things. Loving God is is the greatest. Without loving God, you've missed it. It doesn't matter what we did on the external. We miss the internal. Because God, loving God, changes everything. But changing everything will not change our heart. You see, we want to focus on the external. We want things to change. And so we begin focusing on those things and we miss the most important thing. So how do we get this connection? How do we make sure that we're connected? Well, connection is the result of surrender. He's already taken the first step. Connection is the result of surrender. Jesus said in verse 41, give God those things that are within. You see, spiritual growth is not this try harder, it's not this dig deeper, it just doesn't work. We've tried that, it wears out, right? We finally reach a point of frustration because we just can't do it. That's kind of the point. We sang what? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. All right, when you hear that, when you sang that, is it all to him I owe out of obligation? Or is it all to him I owe because man, he paid it all. Do you see the difference? One is a sense of duty and obligation. Another one is love, that we cannot do it. We cannot make ourselves more like Jesus. That is his work. The trying harder will, lead us, will, will, will never lead, lead us to be like Jesus. Spiritual growth is when we surrender and we allow God to be at work in us. I don't know about you, but who else is worn out by the try harder cycle? What did Jesus say? He didn't say try harder. He said, no, no, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you, right? It's gentle, it's light, it's easy. See, Jesus doesn't come to grow us more like him by putting more rules, regulations, and things we have to do because we know we cannot do it to make ourselves like him. That is his department. We have to surrender. That is our part. Say, God, I gladly place my life in your hands right now that I give you the things that are within, I don't wanna hold on to them. God, I give you all that is within. And watch how God will change the outside. And you know, the interesting thing is surrender. Surrender doesn't take our energy out. It doesn't deplete us. Trying to do acts of righteousness by our own power, yeah, that wears us out. But surrender, it actually replenishes our energy. It refills us. It, it refreshes, it reengages. It it restores us when we surrender. Because when we surrender, we, we see it's not us, it's God and the spirit flows through us and it changes everything. So this week, will you begin praying prayers of surrender? Surrender is not a one-time deal. It's not one of those things I surrendered one time and I'm good for, I, I have never seen that work. I have never seen that work for anyone, that they surrendered just one time and the rest of their life, they didn't ever have to surrender again. That rather I've seen story after story of men and women that I, I respect and see their love for, for Jesus all over the place that they, they say they sh- surrender again and again that that surrendering is saying, God, I place my life in your hands. You are in control. When I wake up, will you pray a prayer? God, you be in control, not me. When you're facing difficulty and when you're facing, a, you're having conflict in a relationship, will you say, I place my life in your hands, God? Will you surrender and not do it in your own power? You see, we wanna quit and there are times we wanna give up and throw in the towel that's when we know we need to surrender. That the, the idea of, of pleasing God isn't by us doing more and try hard, try, trying harder, but rather it's getting closer to Jesus. It's connection to him. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we memorized Psalm 119, right? And the verse 11, why do, we, why do we hide God's word in our heart? It's so what, that we know how to live. Well, this week I wanna challenge you Psalm 51 to read the, the whole Psalm. And with Psalm 51, I want you to, to pay attention to what he says. I want you to key in on verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A spirit that is devoted, that is steadfast, that is loyal. God, create in me a clean heart. You're the only one that can do that. That you would be my desire above all of my desires. And notice verse 15, he says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice where I would give it. You would not be pleased with the burnt offering. God isn't looking to us saying you need to, to do this more and more of this and more of this and more of this. No, he's saying, clean your heart. That's what I want. There's nothing we can do to make us right with God, but Jesus paid it all, that we can be right with God by his grace, but it only comes through surrender that allows us to have the connection with him that'll lead us to living a God-honoring life. You see, what are the sacrifices? It's not a burnt offering that David could give. It's nothing like that. He said, rather the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. I don't know what, what mistakes maybe you've made, what, what you've done, what blunders, what, what you've done that you know, you think that the enemy will try to convince you that God loves you a little bit less now. Man, that condemnation, that's not from God, that's from the enemy. His words clear and that the love of God his desire for us, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, that we need the spirit just to even begin to grasp the depths, the heights of God's love. It's not a burnt offering or a sacrifice. God wants your heart when we come to him broken and seeing our reliance and our need and desperation for him, that's when God is honored. It's not cleaning up the outside of the dish. It's cleaning up the inside. And so this week, as you look at Psalm 51, I wanna challenge you to do this. Number one, surrender. Read, and meditate, reflect, spend time pondering the scripture. Allow God to to hide that word in your heart. Beyond that, then I say, surrender again. If we read God's word, but don't do anything with it, don't change the way we live, we've missed it. That's surrender and meditate and then evaluate. Your, your walk with Jesus is your walk with Jesus. Don't try to be like me. Don't try to be like someone else. No, it's your walk with Jesus. Look at others and see how they follow Christ. See what you can learn from them, what works and do that. But don't try to be like them. You'll focus on the external. And then finally, innovate. What do I mean by innovate? And In your walk with Jesus When you evaluate and you see when you feel him leading that you come alive, that you know that he's using you and gifted you and called you in this way and you come alive and innovate, use that, use that. Change up, keep the approach fresh. If your time with him is getting stale, then maybe it's time to innovate. I don't have the answers as far as saying, this is what you need to do, but I know the one who does. And I know that he wants connection with you. Love you, church.